Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by uscfootball.com. I'm Keely Orr, and today we have a very interesting show. If you, if you thought we had a lot to talk about last week, we have a lot to talk about this week. But before we do, let's bring in Ryan Abraham and Shotgun Spratling. The gang is back together. Guys, we have a lot to talk about today. Busy, busy day. You know, June, you think of busy June, college June football time. It's uh, sort of like NBA free agency season, I guess. Like, there's a lot going on. Transfer portal. The, the class of 2019 rec recruited class is uh, not done, apparently. Yeah, probably not. I think I actually think College World Series, college baseball. You, you, mute him. He's <laughs> a, he's on timeout for a while. He's not allowed to talk baseball. Yeah. At least at least not for the top of the show. Yeah. Uh, but today, or ever, ever, maybe Whoa. we'll see. Maybe a quick baseball minute. Not Whoa. sure. No, no. Okay. He's already he burned that bridge. I won't I won't <laughs> enable him. Uh, but today we're going to talk about Chris Steele and Brew McCoy, two potential uh, transfers for USC, and we're going to talk about Valus Jones and his return. He announced on Monday that he's returning to be a Trojan once again. We're going to talk about Pat Hayden. He's in the news and not for a good reason <laughs> we'll talk about that uh, if you want to get a hold of us you can call us at 5124 tunnel chris savino is standing by to screen yes. your calls if you miss chris you can call up and just talk to him if you want and then you can also tweet at us hashtag tunnel vision put your question your comment your concern and hashtag tunnel vision and i will see it and put it on the screen and how we usually do it you can comment uh on any of the three platforms. I believe we're having some trouble with Facebook. You probably heard that because our mics were hot. Uh, so I'm trying to fix that now. Uh, but we are live on YouTube and Periscope. Put your questions and we will answer them. Guys, where do we want to start with first? There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, probably let's go with uh, the NCAA transfer portal. Um, you know, USC's recruiting class that finished up in February. Missing a couple key pieces one of them you know brew mccoy we talked about him last week who enrolled in january transferred to texas now we still don't have official word uh if he's going to end up at usc but everything we've heard is yes he's going to end up at usc he would have been the highest rated recruit usc had for the class of 2019 uh so I, obviously that's a huge boost um most likely you know, we don't know anything for sure but most likely he would not be eligible for the uh upcoming football season but Chris Steele is the interesting one, and in that we talked about him a couple of weeks ago, where he did enter the NCAA transfer portal after you know being committed to UCLA at one point, committed to USC. We had heard he had been committed or silently committed to seven different schools through the recruiting process. Goes to Florida, goes through uh, spring football there, and then entered the NCAA transfer portal himself. So that's another kind of interesting one. USC at the time didn't appear to have uh, any rides. The sources we talked to said, oh, well, I mean, they could try to work something out, but it didn't really take long. He ended up deciding and committing to going to the University of Oregon, uh, becoming a duck. He tweeted that out, but then later on deleted that tweet. And you started to hear some rumblings. I think Gerard Martinez was giving it about a 35% chance that he doesn't go uh, to Oregon. So he left, he left the door open. And then uh, that's what we're hearing. A lot of different reports now. You know, talk to our Greg Biggins and uh, Gerard Martinez. They had posted a bunch of stuff on the Peristyle about Chris Steele. I think there's an a interview on The Athletic right now where he talks about, you know, his decision, his dad. I know, talk to Greg Biggins, talk to uh, the LA Times. So there's been a lot of kind of reports. Nothing official. We haven't seen him tweet out, hey, I'm coming to USC. But that's, that's where it looks like it's going. And that's certainly a position of need. You're talking about a you know, four or five star cornerback uh, coming into the secondary that really could use some help, someone that might be able to step in and, and start right away. So 
two key pieces of the 2019 recruiting class that weren't at USC that look like they're going to now end up at USC. Both former commits now coming back yeah. to return. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's it's big because just adding talent to this roster is important because they did not have a great recruiting class as far as you know just the uh, top tier talent. So adding a guy like Brew McCoy, like you said, who would have been their their most uh, you know highest ranked guy, and then adding a high four star guy like Chris Steele. I think he slipped down from a five star to a four star at the end, but you know adding him to that cornerback mix where there's no clear starters yet. Um, I, I think adding extra competition is only a positive thing for that group. Uh, the question becomes eligibility. I know we've gotten a couple questions on that on YouTube. Would they both be eligible? I would guess not. You would think that Brew McCoy would yeah. have to sit and that Chris Steele would probably be eligible. That, that, that would be kinda, my guess. Kind of yeah. what our guests are, what, what you would kind of think. Um, so, you know, adding Chris Steele to the mix, he could compete for a spot right away. Now, there are guys that are the front runners. Elijah Griffin, Isaac Taylor Stewart, Greg Johnson, the three older guys, those are probably your front runners. Dominic Davis may be in that mix. But there's several young guys coming in. There's going to be opportunities for those young guys to get playing time. So, you know, he would add to that mix and, you know, potentially push somebody for, for a starting spot. Um, and then bringing Brew in at the wide receiver's position, also at the outside linebacker position, possibly, sure. depending on how USC tries to use him. I think you just add an extra talent to both of those groups with, with him out there. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's big news for USC to kind of get these guys. And um, they're not going to count. You know, people want to know, well, what's the recruiting class going to be? I think someone on the Peristyle, 24-7 Sports has a recalculator. You can, like, change the recruiting class and say, hey, where would they be ranked? And if, you know, adding Brew McCoy and Chris Steele, the, the class of 2019 would actually be ranked 14th. So it would move up ahead of Washington. It would be back to number two in the Pac-12 behind Oregon. Uh, so it's a, it would be nice. Now, it's not going to – they're not going to change the recruiting rankings because they went to those schools and transferred out. But – um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, you're now you're talking instead of, of number 20 or a low twenties class, you're talking about a top 15 class. So that's, you know, significantly better, I think, than where it was if uh, USC is able to add those two guys and not finishing top two for the first time. Right. Yeah. That's something that USC has never been third in the Pac-12. So uh, jumping against you know, ahead of uh, Washington. I mean, that's, that's kind of what USC does. It's sort of par for the course. That's why this recruiting class was like, it was just, uh, a little off-putting for a lot of USC fans because this is just something you've never seen before. This is un there was uncharted territory. So this would bring it back more into what USC fans are used to. Now, the good news kept coming this week because Valus Jones announced that he's returning. Uh, that's another guy that adds needed depth um, for USC's wide receiver court. How much does having all three come back help in certain areas of need for USC? Yeah, uh, I think... Talking about depth, I mean, I, Keely, you mentioned this on, well, I'll mention you guys on the uh, Family Feud podcast. Hey. I tweeted out plug, plug. Uh, a picture, like a, a link to our scholarship distribution chart and described, yeah, Velas Jones, he uh, adds more really needed depth uh, to this. And he had like kind of tweeted later, like, he subtweeted you. He subtweeted, essentially. Like, I'm not, I'm not depth. I'm, and it, you know, it certainly wasn't implying that he wasn't going to play. USC didn't even have enough wide receivers to run five wide sets, five wide sets during the spring. They need depth. They they needed bodies. He's more than a body, obviously. He's a deep threat. I think he can bring, and he's different than most every other receiver that USC has. So, um, Shotgun had tweeted out that he played 31 and a half snaps per game. So it's not like he wasn't out on the field quite a bit, but he only averaged about two catches a game. So I think that production is going to I go think he, up, and uh, it's going to mean more. It's going to be, it'll be better for him 
uh, to, you know, for the USC to be out there, have him out there. It's going to help this air raid offense a lot. Definitely, because it's going to add a different element to the de- to that offense because they don't have a guy that can take the top off a of defense right now. He has the speed to push those safeties deeper. Then it ele- en- enables you to throw all those shorter passes that you want to throw in the air raid, the quick, uh, snappy throws. This, with him being able to go over the top, you're going to get some big plays over the top. Uh, and I think that he's going to get uh, become a better and better receiver with that. You know, he, he played about 23 snaps on offense during the game, 31 and a half uh, total snaps. So he adds back to the special teams too. Remember, okay. he's their returner. So you, you're adding a, a kick returner back to the uh, to the team as well. So you, you're adding uh, important pieces back, and it, it improves the offense because of the different things he can do. You know, Michael Pittman, Amon Ra. Uh, Tyler Vaughn's great receivers, but none of those guys are going to do what Velas does. Yeah. He does he does something different, and they just didn't have that on the roster with him with him gone. So I, I think it's a big addition because of how it changes the offense and the different things you can now do with him being a speed guy that can you know can push the defense back a little bit and open up some more lanes underneath. So we actually have callers on the line. Nice. Um, so let's go to them. I'm going to go stick with what we're talking about and go to Kingsley from Utah. Hello, Kingsley. You're on air. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I just have a question. I don't know if it's been answered, you know, and I didn't get it. Uh, these guys, they go in the transfer. They transfer out of SC. Okay, they're gone. And then they decide, okay, I want to come back. So do they still get a call- their scholarship back or have they lost that? How does that work? Hey, Kingsley, thanks for the call and the question. So the scholarships are counted two different ways. There's an overall number. Every school can have 85 scholarships. And then there's an initial counter number. Every year you can bring in up to 25 scholarships. So it's a little bit different for both. Brew McCoy, this is a weird situation, so it's a nuance of the rules. Brew McCoy counted as an initial counter for USC because he enrolled. He was signed by USC. So he counted as one of those 25. He transferred out. That doesn't go away. He still counted. He also counted for Texas's total. Then he came back. Well, he just takes his old spot. So there's no another initial counter for, for Brew McCoy. So it was easy to get him into this class that was already full because he had already counted. He was already taking a spot. So um, that's a good thing for USC. Then he counts you know, as one. They're still under the 85 limit. They're going to be about 83 or 84. So they're, they're fine there. For Chris Steele, he needed to be an initial counter. He w- enrolled at Florida. He counted there. But to come into USC, they needed one more spot for this class, and it was full. So it looks like one person is not going to make it in. Uh, that would take away one of those initial scholarships, and now Chris Steele will be able to fit in there. So remember, like uh, Drew, what's, what's Drew's last name? Drew Richmond. Richmond uh, his, he counted his initial scholarship, too, because he transferred into the program. So you need a spot. Someone comes into the program as a transfer or whatever, or as an incoming freshman, they take up one of those 25. So uh, Brew McCoy already did that. He doesn't count again. Chris Steele will take one of those spots. Yeah, so there was a player that is not going to get into another uh, recruit, is not going to be able to get into the class because we believe because of academics. So that's why there's a spot that's open because it was full. And when Chris Steele initially left Florida, as Ryan was saying, it was full. And, you know, that was, was kind of the thing that he, he was told was, hey, we don't have a ride for you right now. So that's part of the reason why he committed to, to Oregon. Now that ride is open so he can come back and he has a scholarship available at USC. Yeah. Thanks for the call. All right. Thanks, Kingsley. And there's another Kingsley in in Utah, a 2021 
uh, four-star offensive lineman. So if that Kingsley wants to, you know, sing USC's praises to the other Kingsley, I'm sure the coaches would not mind. The Kingsley connection. Well, yeah, I don't think that's right. legal, Shotgun. Oh. A USC fan. Do you not have fans all, way, all the time coming up and, and telling you you should go to this school or that school? Yes, you do. I, I'm not saying that's legal, though. You're not, You're encouraging... <laughs> Like violations. Yes, we don't encourage NCAA violations on tunnel vision. Eh. Just putting that disclaimer eh. out there. Let's go to another caller. Shall if you're we? both named Kingsley, it's okay. I think that's that, right. maybe, that's part that, of it. Maybe, maybe. Uh, let's go to Bob in Huntington Beach. Uh, Bob, hello. You are on tunnel vision. Hey, it's great to talk to you guys again. You guys do such a marvelous job. I have another question for you. Uh, there's a modern day graduate that was a walk on a couple years ago, Chase McGrath, the field goal kicker. And you know, he did really well that one year, and then he uh, next year, or uh, he decided to do some open field tackling and injured himself. But I've not heard anything more about him. But do you know what the status of him is these days? Hey, Bob. Thanks for the the question. Yeah, I don't. It wasn't really a tackle. He didn't get. He didn't touch anybody. I think he was attempting. <laughs> To make a tackle, uh, I, so I like how it, made, it kind of made it sound like oh he's just having fun, just trying to make do some open field tackling. Yeah, just, that was, you know, he just in practice wanted to go out and try. No, he was trying to make a tackle on the the game changing blocked field goal attempt at Texas yeah. uh, on the run back there, and yeah, he tried to make a cut and it did not happen for him. So he, he tore his ACL. He has been rehabbing and stuff. Uh, we saw him a little bit in the spring. Yeah, he wasn't practicing in the spring. It's funny, I saw him. Earlier in the spring, I spoke at uh, – I was like a guest in one of uh, Jeff Fellinger's classes at USC, and, and Chase was in there. Uh, but didn't have – you know, he had the brace and all that kind of stuff on early. But when I saw him, he looked fine. I saw him at um, – and I think his family was there too – at uh, Jake Olson's uh, charity event that was just like just around the corner from where we are right now. So he seems to be – you know, seems to be doing well. We'll, you know, find out what he's doing these offseason, the summer workouts. But expect him to be back in the fall mm -hmm. and, and making uh, – so that's what we have heard, but you know we'll see. But yeah, the question mark is: Is he fully healthy when yeah. fall camp starts? Yeah. Uh, so he was out of the. You know, he had been in a scooter or a, you know the one of the ones where you just put your knee down type of thing for a while. Um, you know, he had had some apparatus with him the entire time, but he was out of that just in a brace towards the end of fall. He might have even been out of the brace. I don't remember. You remember Keeley? I think at the very end he was out of the brace. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's progressing, uh, but you know, usually ACL injury. Fully healthy and back to where you were before is 12 to 14 months. Usually you can come back in 9 to 12 months, uh, and it's just regaining the ability to make cuts. As a kicker, you don't really have to make cuts, yeah. so it's just making sure that the plant leg you know, can sustain uh, that type of pressure that, you know, that kickers put on it. Yeah. Yep. All right. Thanks, Bob, for the call. We appreciate you. Uh, let's go to one final caller, Richard from Utah. Man, we got a lot of callers right away. Thanks. Hello, you're on Tunnel Vision. Hey, Tunnel Vision. Hey, Keely, Ryan, Shotgun. Hi. Right on from Utah. <laughs> so my question is, it's kind of a two-part. I'll try to make it fast. So watching prior seasons when we were just running the table with anybody, it seemed like when the offense, like uh, – you know, when they ran out of gas early and, and we couldn't get it in the end zone, it seemed like the defense stepped up and made turnovers, like sacks, peeing them in their own end zone, good kick returns, and picks. And it seems like that's what we're going to need to do this year to stay balanced. So my question is, 
with the coaching that's come in and the players that we have now, Brute coming back, um, and say they're they're coached decently with their talent, can we be at that level to where we're you know one two loss team um, with who we have? Because obviously, you know it, the five and seven is just painful. It's just, it's painful to watch. Yeah. So it seems to me like the team needs to be balanced in order to, you know, play with those, those power teams. And I'm like, we, it's been a long time since we've been there. So with the, the, the players and the talent that we have now, if we can coach them up to their full potential, do we have a chance to be at that level? I think that's what a lot of people are trying to, trying to figure out. Can we get there with what we have? Yeah. No, good. Thanks for the question. And uh, it's, it's never really been about talent for USC. You look at the talent composite from last year, which kind of compiles all of the recruiting classes and who's left on the roster. USC's roster was number four in the country behind Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama. So, I mean, talent not really been an issue there. Now, you can argue with some of that, well, maybe this guy's not doing this or whatever, but it talent-wise, USC was there. USC certainly wasn't a five and seven talent level. I don't think that's ever been a question, but to your point, I think it comes with, you know, a well-coached team, uh, a confident team, uh, you know, a team that knows how to win. And last year, they just didn't show that they could know how to win, where if you're expecting this from the offense every day and one day they're just not, they're not out there doing what they normally do and the defense steps up or a special team steps up. And I think that comes with a, a just a team that's well-coached and, and well-put-together that wasn't the way USC was last year. USC has the potential to do that this year. I think they made some good moves. We're seeing some positive change. I mean, just having like a Ben Griffiths there, uh, you get backed up in your own end zone. You never had any confidence that you could flip the field with a punt in the last couple of years. Well, you kind of feel better about that. That just just being able to flip the field and gives the defense a spark and maybe you know, forces a turnover and you end up scoring. Like things like that. I think the roster that USC has, the potential is there with the Offensive coordinator USC has, I think the potential is there, but you know we're not going to know until we kind of see it coming on this, this fall. I'm glad you brought up punting uh, as part of this to talk about the turnovers as well, but there are 129 teams ranked in FBS. USC was 113th in net punting you know, at 34.8 yards per, per punt. Uh, they were also 119th. There's only 10 teams that were worse than them at turnover margin, you know, averaging all, you know, 0.8 less uh, 0.8 turnovers. They've they given up 0.8 turnovers per game. But turnovers gained, they're 126th. There's only three teams worse than USC with their 10 turnovers that they had all last season. Wow. So that that's going to be something that has to be remedied. Now, the offense being a little bit better, the defense getting a little bit more rest, You know, the punting being better, and hey, now you got to go 70 yards versus 60 yards, and that's an extra first down that you can give up, and maybe you get off the field, or maybe you make that stop, and now it's a field goal versus a touchdown. Those type things, those all, those small things start adding up bigger and bigger. And I think that it's going to, the team's going to improve, and when that happens, you're not going to go five and seven. Uh, but those things have to happen. You yeah. know, those are things we expect to happen, but those are the thing, the small things USC has to work on. The penalties were also obviously were terrible. Right. USC was one one hundred tenth in penalty uh, in penalties, hundred twentieth in penalties per game. You know, they were really bad. Yeah. And a lot of stats. Just awful. It's yeah. Okay. <laughs> really, really bad. Like those are numbers that teams like Central Michigan or Toledo. Those like if you see those down there, like okay, you know, yeah. or you know, a Bowling Green, Mike Jeans gets fired because they're they're three and nine, like. Okay, you understand those teams are down there. 
USC should never be down there. No. Like they should never be in the above 100 in any category. <laughs> like if it, if it, it should be one category. There's a list of them on the NCAA yeah. website uh, of the, the stats ranking. So the, all those small things they have to work towards. And I think they will. a lot of them will be assisted with the new offense and the offense being more consistent and moving the ball a little bit uh, better and and not having so many long droughts uh, on the offense yeah. where just nothing was going right for the offense. I think they should be able to pick up some first downs even when they're not going good. Yeah, I think you die. You can diagnose like Shotgun was talking about. It was five and seven. You saw that was terrible. You know, losing to all the California schools, getting blown out, giving up thirty four straight points a couple of times, things like that. You can diagnose that sort of afterwards, and then. When you look at well, what, what you think was addressed, if you think punting is going to get significantly better, if you think the penalties from what they're doing in practice get significantly better, if you think going from 90th in the country in scoring to something in the top 25, you know all those kind of changes. You you like Shaka said, there's a bunch of little things. You put them all together, and you could see like yeah, this this is the team should have the potential to win double digit games now. We don't know if they will, but you're, you've seen a lot of these indiv individual things addressed that there's a potential there. So we'll see. You yeah. got to make changes. You either make a big giant change and you change an athletic director or head coach or, or a coordinator, which, you know, USC's done that. But it also takes the small changes when you don't make a bunch of changes. Like USC didn't make a ton of coaching changes like we you know, expected them to completely overhaul the staff. So if you don't do that, you got to make all those small changes and you got to get more turnover. You got to punt better. You got to do all those things a little bit better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks, Richard, for the call. But speaking of uh, coordinator change, uh, Brandon uh, from Minnesota, formerly of Wisconsin, has a question, I think, relating to that. Hello, Brandon. Man, we got lots of calls. Hi. Hi. What's your question? Thanks for calling, Brandon. Hey, uh, so my question is, do you, because uh, I heard, I read that a lot of the reason why Brew McCoy decided to come back was homesickness, but do you think it was the fact that he sees that People are enjoying Graham Harrell's offense better. And do you think he would have stuck by if Graham Harrell was already named at that point? And also, what is the main reason for Chris Steele to come, back, uh, come over? Is it because of the opening of the scholarship? Hey, Brandon, thanks for the call. I mean, I think Gerard Martinez put it pretty well. You have to look at why Brew McCoy kind of left. And, and we talked about this on the, the podcast the other day. If you look at USC football as a stock, January was like a 52-week low. Like, it really was a, a, a low point because you had Ivan Lewis, the strength and conditioning coach, like, he leaves. And, and it's like top two or three guys. And they don't really have anyone to replace him for a, a while. And they're doing off-season workouts. Then you have uh, Cliff Kingsbury, who was touted as, like, the savior of the program. Like, they put marketing behind him, how Cliff Kingsbury is going to do all these things, and he leaves. And then you get your, your top-rated signee in the program, Brew McCoy, uh, he, he decides to leave unprecedentedly, just leaves after being enrolled for a couple of weeks and you can't really believe it. So a lot of bad things were going on then. And I think he saw that he was going through those offseason workouts and there was a lot of turmoil around the USC football program, but he's still a lot of friends on the team. They were pretty optimistic after seeing what Graham Harrell was able to do. And I think that kind of gave him, oh, it's interesting. So it's not as bad as it was. In January, it was as bad as it's going to get, but the stock for USC has gone up significantly since then. You could say it's a 52-week high right now but seeing what the, you know that turnaround was you know getting a guy like graham harrell uh everyone was raving about aaron osmus and how the strength and conditioning program was improved so i think it kind of allowed that and it, and it wasn't home you know it, it was one of those things he would have rather been at usc but it was so bad he left but then it wasn't as bad anymore and then you end up uh you know coming back and for chris Steele, 
Um, I think if if USC had a scholarship open for sure when he transferred out of Florida, I think it was a really good chance he ends up at USC. But that kind of like worked its way out. And in the athletic uh, article today, he had mentioned that his mom got laid off and it was going to be a lot harder for his family to come see him play in Oregon than it would have been uh, in L.A. And his family really wanted him to stay in L.A. They wanted him to stay in L.A. from the beginning. But, you know, looks like he's going to end up there. It just that both of those guys had a kind of a road, uh, much less traveled, I guess you could say. Yep. All righty. Thank you, Brandon, formerly of Wisconsin, now of Minnesota, for calling in. We appreciate you. They're like rivals, like Wisconsin and Minnesota. Yeah. How do you do that? I, I don't know. Yeah. Um. Let's go to some questions. Ooh. Sound like he's a fan of both teams. He's a fan yeah, of USC. True. <laughs> true. Very true. Uh, let's go to some questions. Uh, Cam Lifestyle says, uh, "Will USC?" Utilize Valus Jones' speed because they sure didn't know what to do with Trayvon Sidney or, for that matter, Isaac Whitney's 4-2 speed, who's faster than a Dory. People forget. Um, yeah, I was going to look that up before I brought that up later uh, to see if Isaac Whitney were in a 4-2. Uh, I know he was fast. Um, I didn't think it was that fast. Yeah, I, He I ran a really good time at Pro Day. I yeah. remember that. Um, but I think like Steve Smith did, too, where you like weren't think of him as like a speedster. So sometimes those times, I don't know, they're a little – I don't always trust them, but um, – I, I don't know why he brought Trayvon Sidney in that because he's not a burner, though. Uh, the thing is, the speed in this new offense should be utilized better, though. I think with Keenan Kristen, the same thing. You're going to get those guys. They're going to be the guys that stretch the defense but also press defenses and, and force them. You know, you're looking for a hole with a, with a quick, shifty running back that can break things and go long. And that's kind of what the air raid offense looks for. You look for those big, explosive plays on top of the short, quick game. Yeah. You go short, quick, 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 boom, over the top. Or you have a speedy receiver that can get the seam, and then he just can't be caught. If you watch some highlights of Oklahoma State or Texas Tech, you'll see a lot of those type touchdowns where it's you know it's a 15 or 20 yard throw, and then suddenly it's an 80 yard touchdown. You know because you know you split the defense and the speed just takes off, and you're able to to beat the rest of the defenders there. So I think they're gonna look for that, but also the speed helps. Like I said, stretch the defense. Push those safeties back a little bit. They've got to respect Valus's Jones' speed. Now you open up the intermediate stuff a little bit more. You get Those safeties aren't playing in the box as much. They're having to play a little bit higher over the top. Uh, I, I think his speed is really vital in this offense, and I think that it, it will be used uh, better uh, in the air raid offense. Yeah. I mean, I think Valus Jones is going to be used better, but really, everything is going to be better. This is just a well-run Offense as opposed to a gumbo offense. Like, I can't stress enough, this should be better in all aspects. So, yes, don't don't think of it in terms of last year. This should be completely different. All right, so Isaac Whitney ran a 4-4-1 at USC. It's all right. Day. Now, that's really good. That is good. It yeah. was the best speed, uh, best uh, run of the day. It's not 4-2. That's a long distance from 4-2. Yeah. Or shorter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I already asked, I kind of already picked Shotgun's brain on this, but for both of you, as far as Valus Jones, Brew McCoy, and Chris Steele, rank uh, the importance of them coming back one through three. I'm not answering. I'm letting you guys go to the Family Feud podcast later <laughs> and hear my answer. Oh, well, but well, you can answer. I don't even. I don't think I paid attention to what you said. I was in the room, but uh, okay. <laughs> I so feel like third, you don't ever pay attention. To third is Brew McCoy because well, you're usually talking about baseball or basketball or something. So <laughs> third is Blue, Brew McCoy because he's probably not going to play this year. But I think it's significant for the program to get him, but. He's not going to have an impact uh, this year. I think Chris Steele is going to have the biggest impact. Um, he's got a real chance to get in uh, to the starting lineup. The shotgun set, you know, you mentioned some of the other guys in there, but the depth hasn't been there. We've seen a lot of guys get injured. They've got a whole bunch of freshmen coming in that they were going to kind of rely on. I don't think 
with Chris Steele, he's sort of like a ready-made. He looks like he could be in college right now. Uh, he was already developed when he was in high school at St. John Bosco. He got, you know, some seasoning. I guess he was getting a lot of first-team reps uh, in Florida. So I think he's going to be the most important just because it's a position of need. Bayless Jones, I think depth for sure. He might, you know, he might take the top off defenses, but if, you know, you're looking at, uh, you know, Tyler Vaughns and Michael Pittman and Amon Ross St. Brown, I mean, you got guys that, you know, three studs that are already ahead of them. Yeah, they definitely need more wide receivers, especially in this offense, but I think they need cornerbacks more. So I'll put Steele, then Jones, and uh, then McCoy. I'm just going to tell you you're wrong. All right. Interesting. And also, there's two ways to look at it. Are you looking at just this year or in the long run? Now, if you look in the long run, who do you think's, you know, how would you rank them? I don't think you can look at the long run when you got a coach on the hot seat and you got a new president coming in and maybe a new athletic director and all that stuff. Mm. So I think you got to look at it right now. Valid point. What, uh, curveball, add in Drew Richmond. Where do you put that in the ranking? Ooh. Uh, I mean, I don't think you bring him in to not start. Yeah, I'm um, going and putting him at the top because the yeah. offensive line has no depth. So I think he's almost like a guaranteed starter. If not, he's like the sixth man at the worst. So. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a chance that Chris Steele doesn't start because you have, oh, Elijah Griffin and Isaac Taylor Stewart and Greg Johnson. Like, they're all playing really well. And uh, Chase Williams was killing it at the, at the nickel spot. And what I mean, yeah. So I, I think there's a chance that he's not in the mix, but I think there's a good chance he's, he's really in the mix. For Drew Richmond, it's like he's probably uh, going to start. Well, speaking of which, Rick uh, asked on YouTube who starts at both corner positions come week one? I, I think Elijah Griffin's going to start one, no okay. matter what. Do you think? Yeah, I would, I would. That's one of my two picks. What's your other one? And I might go Greg Johnson. That's what I would. One. That's what my picks mm. would be. I would yeah. go Greg Johnson and Elijah Griffin. I think Greg Johnson has the lead of those three. Yeah. Because Elijah Griffin obviously did not practice at all in the spring. Um, I think Elijah Griffin is really talented. Isaac Taylor Stewart still got some, to make some strides, consistency strides. He can be really good on one play and not good on the next one. So, getting him consistent, he's got all the tools to be. You know, a lockdown All-American style guy. He's super fast. You know, he, he can do a lot of things on the outside for you, but got to be consistent. Yeah. Um, so I, I think those other two have a little bit better consistency so far. Though Elijah Griffin, you know, he was up and down last year too. So just depends on when they come in the fall, which is why all the DBs that are coming in have a great shot. You know, it, everybody's starting from square one. It's almost like the baseball. quarterbacks in the spring. Like everyone kind of started in the same you know spot. Not like all these DBs are going to be doing the same thing in the fall. You got two guys that practice all the time in the in the spring with Greg Johnson, Isaac Taylor Stewart. You got Dominic Davis that could also be in the mix. That's it. No one else was out there. So you're coming in. It's not like they got a huge leg up on you with a new DB coach. Yeah. Alrighty, we actually have more live callers. Holy we, cow! I know we're we're gonna. We blitz. were gonna try to end this thing at seven, so we'll like, we'll get them all in. We love it. Are we on Facebook at all or no? Did it not? I go? don't think so. Oh crap! Sorry about, Sorry about that. that. We'll we'll upload to Facebook if you're like a Facebook fan. We'll upload it to Facebook afterwards. Yes, and if you're coming from Facebook and watching on YouTube, thank you for yeah. branching over. We also uh, had a request to put it on a podcast. I, I will I will upload it to a podcast as so well. There so there you go, all yeah. platforms. But let's go to Kevin from the OC. Hello, Kevin. You are on Tunnel Vision. Hi, good evening, guys. How are you guys doing? Good, good Kevin. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, good thing. I actually called about three or four shows ago, and I asked kind of a similar question, but you know, I appreciate uh, you guys doing this, of course. I always say that. I always start off with that. But, you know, when Shotgun was reading off the stats about how we were almost dead last in almost or a lot of categories um, last year, you know, we can attribute to this, that, players being injured or whatnot. But at what point, and I mean this, you know, very respectfully, but at what point do we 
not only as, as fans or the university, at what point do we look at it and say, this is utter failure in coaching, like lack of coaching aptitude. I mean, honestly, these are a bunch of second tier rated, second or third tier rated coaches. Um, nobody, no other schools are coming after them, Graham Harrell aside, of course, because we haven't given them a chance yet. But no other schools are coming after these coaches. Uh, Clancy, he talks about Pendergast like he walks on water. The guy can't stop a third and 19 to save his life. You know, the, the, the year when Orgeron left, Clancy took a year off. No other schools came after him, but, of course, Helton drags him back. I mean, at what point, and again, I mean this in the most respectful manner, at what point do we just stand back and say, this is coaching? Because these are 17, 18, 19-year-old young, you know, um, impressionable athletes, and they're going to do what coaching tells them to do and the impression that coaches leave on them. Hey, and Kevin. I think that's, uh, that's about it. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin, for the call. He's like, I, I mean this in the most respectful way, but USC has the worst coaches on the planet. <laughs> but they are, they are absolutely <laughs> terrible, according to Kevin. Um, I, I think you look at the roster from last year, it's inexcusable. There was way too much talent to perform as poorly, and you have to look at coaching as being a part of it. But not just X's and O's, just the way everything was constructed, coaches being out of place. There's just, I think, some really bad decisions were made heading into the, the into the season, and you're like, well, this might work out with uh, Kiri Colbert co coaching the tight ends. Well, the tight ends were like ranked the worst in the country, you know, or or having Tim Drevno coach the running back. It was just, there was a lot of bad decisions made. I think a lot of those were reversed or fixed or addressed. I think Graham Harrell is a really good coach. Um, is everything perfect? Certainly not. I mean, I you know, even getting it, I think an Aaron Osmus might work out well, but you still hired someone that wasn't a sitting strength and conditioning coach from somewhere. Like you're USC, like you should go get a really good strength and conditioning coach from somewhere, someone that's actually doing it in college. You know, I think it might work out though. Like some of those things where you're like, that's kind of questionable, but maybe it'll work out. I think that's a lot better. Um, but if this team doesn't perform, uh, I think a lot of it's going to be again on the coaching. I, I just feel like the roster is too good uh, for this team not to, to you know, score a lot of points and win a bunch more games than they did last year. Yeah, the coaching has to be better. The players have to be better. It's an all-around thing. Uh, there's plenty of talent there that USC should not be, you know, scoring. What was it? Uh, 14, 14 points against Cal. You yeah. Know? Now there's a pretty good defense. We've given up 15. Like, you know, a lot of people were clamoring about the the defense, but the defense was good, really good at times. Was you know, the defense can't do anything. The defense isn't. You know, it's 34 straight points. Well, that's. On the offense, too, because yeah. if you, you put a field goal up there, you know, it stops that streak. Um, so the defense was, struggled at times. The offense was terrible a lot of times last yeah. year. So it's it's those small improvements to an extent. I mean, Clancy Pendergast has had really good defenses at USC. He coached a team to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, he, he didn't just take a year off because no co no teams wanted him. He went to the NFL and coached it, I think, San Francisco. So it's not like he was just out of football completely for a year. No one wanted him. He went and had another job. So he's well-respected in the coaching community, but he's got to do some things a little bit differently, and we'll see how much Clay Helton's saying, hey, you got to simplify things this year. Yeah. And that whole that whole conversation and seeing how, how much that does, the differences they've done with the line, outside linebackers, you know, shifting people inside, those are all kind of question marks that – are to be determined, and you know those could be things that we might be looking at next year. Going, why did you, you know, why did you decide to move all these outside linebackers in the middle? Yeah, when you can only play so many at a time. Uh, but they could also work out because they're changing the system and the way they're doing things. So it's one of those to be determined type things. I think. Yeah, and I think sometimes some of the pressure on the defense ends up being because of the the poor play on the offense, but not even just 
the lack of scoring at times, but the way that USC was scoring was a lot of just kind of random big plays as opposed to methodically moving down the field and being able to, you know, get better field position and things like that. It's like, oh, but if this deep ball worked, USC scored. If not, they weren't able to put together two or three first downs and, and get better field position. I think there was a lot of that too. Yeah, not the sustainability that you need, consistency there. Um, but I, I think the coaching staff is an improvement from last year. So that's where you yeah. got to start. You start there. The offense should be better. You know, you've got guys in the right position. Even though you've got some of the same coaches, Kerry Colbert's with the wide receivers. Yeah. Tim Drevno's with the offensive linemen. You know, those things are back to where, you know, they seem much better right. fit for USC. So that's an improvement there. And then you add in some of the new coaches, and, you know, it seems like it's been a positive development so far. We won't really know until we get to the, in, yeah. into the games, and you're actually game planning for an opponent and how that opponent game plans for you and those type things. But so far, so good, I would say. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin, for the call. We appreciate it. It's kind of relevant. Uh, Dave on YouTube says, question, I sure don't see more than six wins on the schedule, and I'm being optimistic. Do any of you disagree? Yeah, I disagree. I, I disagree, that, too. I think I mean, they have a winning record for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's. it's I think uh, Athlon came out with their preview, and they picked USC to go 6-6, six and six, but... I just think sitting here talking uh, about some of the different you know deficiencies that we saw last year and how we saw things were addressed. Like I said, I don't think everything was addressed. I think they could have made more moves and, and made, but, but there were so many things that went wrong. And Dan Weber likes to say, like, USC really has to, to go five and seven, you have to screw up a lot of things. It's not just one or two. There's a lot of things. And I feel like a lot of these issues have been addressed. And it's still the Pac-12 I know the the early part of the schedule is tough, but I would be shocked if they go six and six. Now, they're, if they're going six and six, then there's real this culture problem on the team is way deeper than we could even have imagined. Um, so I'm, I'm not saying it's impossible, but if I had to take over under on six and six, I would certainly go over. I would definitely take the over. Um, I think they'll have a winning record for sure. The question is how many wins about that? That that first six games is tough. It's really tough. Yeah. Um, so, but I think at worst they still come out. 500 on that so you know so that's e then you get to the easy part the easy half of the schedule and you get do better than 500 now you're you're above 500 at least right, yeah and, you know who knows they might go five and one or six and oh in the second half of the season depending on the progression of the team and the morale of the team the morale is going to be a big deal because how they go through those first six games could determine you know whether or not they're just done halfway through the season and, and they give up you know and, yeah. and if you can't if they're the coaching staff knows it's on the hot seat, and you know if there's not a move made in midseason, they're struggling. There's not a move made, then it's hard to get the team back. You know when you start losing, and the team knows that this guy's probably gone at the end of the year. Are they going to play for him the last six games? That's yeah. that's a question we don't really know. That's how USC could end up under 500 again. Right. I don't think it'll happen, but that's how it could happen. Yeah. I mean, if USC goes three and three. And Cleo gets fired, then who knows? I mean, there's weird stuff. I mean, who knows? Anything can kind of happen there, but it is I, USC I, after all. It is. It's <laughs> USC. You can't like say, oh, that'll never happen because true. It's so, someone on YouTube, I just got to point this out. So okay. the, the first six games, I see a one and six, which I don't know how that's, that's mathematically that's possible. I was going to say that is impossible. Yes, impossible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jacob on YouTube says, "How well do you guys think John Jackson III will play this year? And does his style remind you of any former SC receivers?" I would say he reminds me of John Jackson the second. Just I don't I don't even know how John you know played JJ played when he was at USC, but that's just an easy easy comp. So I yeah, he played. He was a like a baseball player, so you would like him. You know, I know yeah, dual like sport. Yeah, I think his dad was probably a little quicker than 
the son's like a little, he's a little bigger, like he's a little thicker uh, to him. But, I, you know, I think he can, I he was pretty impressive so far. I mean, he was like a four-star kid coming out of Sarah High School. I think he's kind of a steady player that uh, will probably grow and become a better athlete the longer he's in college. So I, I think he's got some good potential there. All right, I was joking about his, his father, but uh, the player that, he's recommend, the, that he reminds me of most that I've seen is Deontay Burnett. Very good hands, really good route runner. Uh, it doesn't blow you away with any single attribute, but you just, just like that guy always just makes a catch. Yeah, yep. and and I, I think that's a similar attribute uh, or a similar skill set that you'll see there. A little bit different body styles, but, yeah. but still the same type of, of uh, receivers as far as can be a possession receiver. Knows how to find the hole in the zone. Knows how to sit down. Knows how to use their body to get open on routes and do different things like that. Uh, a little bit different style, you know, as far as the body, but I think that's the type of receiver you'll see. He was asked about the Deontay Burnett comparisons, and he kind of smiled and was like yeah that's what i see too so yeah. also sarah guys you know yeah. they know each other pretty well so yeah uh, victor on youtube says quick question what's your opinion of the linemen this season also like should point out that question. they also had differing ways of getting into usc the blue true. shirt versus true, true, true. The right, right. different sure. color shirts yeah so victor wants to know about offense linemen offense he, did, he didn't specify which side of the ball and he also said quick question i feel like the lineman is never a quick question uh yeah. It needs to improve, obviously, from last year. I think the defensive line—you got a lot of confidence in there. There's a lot of uh, talented bodies in there, and Chad K. We've seen positive results so far from him. But the offensive lines, it's there's a big drop off from the first team to the second team, and you know you're going to get injuries. So, how much does Drew Richmond come in? Coming in, how much does that help? I, I think there's a lot of question marks still with the offensive line, even though the first group is okay. I, I think there's a lot of question marks still. Yeah. I think the scheme is going to help the offensive line too. I, you know, you I, you could argue last year's talent was better. Uh, like a guy like Chuma Doga, did he have great production for USC? No, but he still ended up being a third round draft pick. Uh, I just don't think it was talent was utilized all that well. I think with the scheme, and now you got Tim Drevno coaching the offensive line. I think you might see a lot of improvements, even if you look at the overall talent, maybe not be at at that high of a level. And just the the. It's going to be hard to say what the defensive front's going to look like. Is it going to be a lot of four down linemen? Uh, is Christian Rector and uh, you know Connor Murphy going to be you know uh, uh, you know uh, blanketing the the guys in the middle? Because the guys in the middle, you could argue. I mean, those three tackles with Brandon Peely and Jay Tufele and Marlon Tuipilotu. I mean, put those up against anybody. You know, maybe Utah's got a better line, maybe Washington or something. But that's that's a really good group in the middle. And then what the, what is it going to look like? It's just we just don't really know right now. But the depth in the front. Uh, the defensive front, I think, is really good. Not as much on the offensive line, but I, I'm expecting good things from that defensive line this year. Um, sorry, I just lost the question that I was about to ask. That's okay. Um, someone SNS Productions really wants to know whether or not Elijah Griffin or Chris Steele can be shut down corners. Yeah, I think both think? of them have the, uh, the yeah. opportunity to. Uh, they both have the skill set. You know, both of them were really, really good in high school. Now you got to take that next step. Can you guard guys a little bit quicker, a little bit faster? Now playing, you know, Mission Viejo and, and St. John Bosco play really good schedules, so they're going up against some really good receivers throughout the season uh, in high school. But now you got to take that next step, and I think that's what we're waiting on for Elijah Griffin. You know, after the shoulder surgery, how does he develop this? You know, has he taken that? You know, I always say there's a big step between that first year and the second year. Has he taken that big step, even though he's had the surgery, or, it, or is it still a work in progress? Yeah. Ryan Young says, are you guys able to cover summer throwing sessions this year? Uh, we're not allowed to film or take photos or anything of them. We can talk to the players in July, yeah. do interviews and stuff. Uh, it should be starting. I don't know if it's, it's, it was going to be this week or next week. I forget when 
it was. But yeah, they've kind of like whittled down our uh, access uh, to that. So yeah, unfortunately, we won't be able to do that for you guys. Yeah, that was always fun. That was what my favorite part of covering the team was always like uh, June and July. Like, and now it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I would say your favorite part would have been Rose Bowls, but. I mean, that's cool. As far as like a that's daily cool. grind, <laughs> daily no. grind of covering the team, it was like to see these, especially in June when all the incoming freshmen would come out and, uh, you know, mm. they would come do their workouts and stuff. It was, it was great. And they loved it. Like the players absolutely loved us filming them, taking pictures of them. And so it sucks that you can't do that anymore. But I mean, it's just college football is definitely coming more. I mean, it's a huge business. And they're becoming more and more protective of stuff. And USC has been more open than, than most programs. But it's something the players absolutely loved. And then it just kind of started to not, not be as open uh, several years ago. And that's where we are now. Yeah. Now, technically, if they do go on Cromwell Field, for some reason, we can film that. But I doubt that that will happen. Yeah. They don't let us go on Howard Jones because it's like a closed facility. Uh, whatever. But there's, they, last year, we filmed it from the top of the... Uh, stands. stands over in Cromwell, Cromwell and into Howard Jones. Now we can't do that. Which that was pretty dumb just doing. It. I can't believe I even did it. We should have just walked away. But <laughs> yeah, we got made fun of. But content for you guys. That's what. Yeah, it's we about. were trying to get more content, but now we can't do that either. So yeah, we tried. Write your congressman. <laughs> uh, Matthew on YouTube says, "Who do you think the captains will be?" We get this a bunch. Mm -hmm. uh, so Pittman, John Houston's name in there. Yeah. Yeah. Christian Rector. Those are the defensive I'm trying to think guys. of another offensive player that would be like it's it's been a lot of defensive players the last couple of years. Austin Jackson. Yeah, I mean choice. you might go with Austin Jackson. I think it'll happen. Maybe yeah. you go with the quarterback. Those are the things. Yeah. I mean they could do I mean, I think Helton likes JT Daniels enough that he would do that. But it it'd be tough because he's he's not named the starter by then, then it's like hard to make him a captain. But Yeah. Um, HR Pickens stuff says, does Jason Rodriguez play on the O-line his freshman year? No. <laughs> Richard. We, no, we love, we, I love Scott, Jason and stuff, but I think he's, uh, yeah, I think he's going to take, they, I think that was a plan all along just to give him, uh, get him adjusted to college life. And, uh, you know, it's going to be super emergency. I think if he's going in the game. MC says any chance Kayvon Thibodeau coming to, uh, with Chris Steele from Oregon? No. No. <laughs> I thought we were going to do it simultaneously. I was going to, last time we did simultaneously, I just like do a double, uh, that had to be a double no. I don't know where that was coming Emphasis. from. Emphasis. Yeah. Um, let's see. Someone wants to know can we get an Atari analogy from Ryan instead of food? Someone Atari asked if now. that's a an vintage, real vintage, or fake vintage. Come on, you know it's fake vintage. Fake vintage. No, I did. This isn't a, a shirt from 1985 or anything, but I used to play Atari all the time. Uh, loved it. Um, Man, some of the games like Pitfall was probably one of the best. Uh, but I, yeah, I, w I still want to get a video game machine here in the office somewhere. So like the old arcade style uh, kind of plan. But Atari was great. Yeah, I remember like having to open up the, like the controllers wouldn't work. You have to open them up. Uh, but yeah, what was it? There was like a there was some dragons one where you had to like uh, adventure or something like that. Some game like I mean the graphics were so terrible. You guys were like like you had a sword that was basically like a. a <laughs> dotted arrow that you would have to kill dragons with and stuff and pretty cool i loved atari back in the day old man right there, there's a old uh, man. there's an outcast lyric that starts with i'm sorry like atari yeah oh. i could give you the whole rap but we're not gonna do that on live show. Uh, no we're not uh, ldr says how many shout outs at the shut shutouts shout outs shut up how many shutouts will the sc defense have this year i'm gonna go with zero, zero to one 
Maybe one. I might get one. Who's who going to show it? Like maybe Cal. Cal. Like that was the only. Like that's the only shot you have because their offense is pretty that's terrible. The and yet they yeah. beat USC last year. Right. I mean, they beat Washington without scoring an offensive touchdown. Uh, they did they score one against USC or something or thirteen fourteen. So I think they scored one offensive touchdown against USC, but uh, they scored at least the shutouts one. are very hard. And this isn't like yeah, especially it, now. Yeah, in the Pac twelve, and then it's not like USC had this shutdown defense that you just assume is going to turn things around. But like Fresno State is going to score points. Like everyone on the the everyone besides Cal, you could see scoring points. BYU. They got a sophomore quarterback. They're gonna be they're gonna be good. Um, I loved him last year, but we'll see. Uh, Matthew says, which player do you think will make the biggest jump from last year? Who's like the highest vertical leap, you mean? Or <laughs> No. That just went by everybody. <laughs> Big jump. Uh, I was thinking. Actually, Chris texted me, so that's what was happening. We ignored you. That's not going by uh, anyone. Yeah. There's a difference. <laughs> I know you didn't get it. Like, Healy was getting it, but she's busy producing the show. Thank you. Yeah. No, I was actually thinking of an answer since you don't have one. I'm going to go with Isaiah Paul Mao being healthy. I think he mm. takes a big jump. I mean, that helps. Being yeah. Healthy. Yeah. Definitely. I'm going to go with uh, JT Daniels because he's got a lot of criticism. Interesting. And people are like, he did this. And I, they were so terrible with him. And it's like, it wasn't him. It was the offense that was awful, in my opinion. So I think in a good offense, you're going to see. Now, is he going to be Trevor Lawrence? Probably not, but we saw them on the same field and it wasn't like there was a huge gap between the two or anything. So I think in a good system with the kind of talent he has, you might see pretty amazing numbers from JT Daniels. Uh, Chris Trevino says Marquis Step, which I think is a good answer. I would also go with Austin Jackson, Pelle Anantiote, mm. getting full playing time, Solomon Tulia Pupu, who if he gets on the field, I mean, those are some injuries halfway there, but I think that there's opportunities for those those big jumps to happen. Elijah Griffin, that's another one. You, you just think of young players that you know play a little bit but not much. That's what that's what's coming to my mind. Yeah, when you're five and seven, I think there's a lot of guys that could be candidates for that. Yeah, uh, Rohat, I think Rohat. He, he wanted me to pronounce his name, and I think I got it right. He says USC used to put out first round linemen all the time. Do we even have a lineman that will go in the first three rounds? Austin Jackson Austin, has that potential. Yeah, I would say Austin Jackson for sure. And yeah, maybe a Drew Richmond just because, you know, it depends on what he does. And when Austin Jackson makes the jump that I'm expecting, then yeah, definitely. Yeah. Fight on 13 on Periscope says, how is the health of Stephen Carr? Um, as far as we know, it's fine. Yeah. He, he says, he's he said last year he was 100%. Yeah. So. In the spring, he told me 100%. He said 100% a lot. I don't think he looked 100% all the time, but. By the time he, fall rolls around, he should he be He didn't healthy. have the same explosion. That's the question. Does yeah. he have the burst? You know, you can still make guys miss and do some different things, but he doesn't have the burst to take off after that and turn, you know, that 15-yard run into a 50-yard run. Uh, Ferry says, do you guys see practices being more physical? We saw them increase in spring. Yeah, I think I think the one thing offensively, and because of the, the lack of depth, I think, on the offensive line, there was a lot of lack of depth there. I think in the fall, you want to see more physicality in the run game because you don't really know i mean i don't think we yeah. knew what was going on there so yeah. uh I, i'd like to see more of that i feel like the practice would be more physical but that specifically it was pretty much a passing offense the entire spring and i think you want to see some of the the run game incorporated more and you want to see consistently physical i mean mock game week last last year was terrific and you're like, okay, this team knows what it has to do now. And then it just didn't do it. Disappeared again. Yeah. The rest yep. of the season. So, you know, 
be physical, but continue to be physical. Not it's not a one one week thing. Being physical is a mindset. Yes, is a mantra. Not oh, well, we did it last week. We're good. Yeah, yeah. I think even an Aaron Osmus is going to help with that a little bit because he just seems to be his more. You know, whatever every strength and conditioning coach has different philosophies. His definitely is more about power strength. Um, and, you know, I think that adds a layer uh, of toughness. And you can argue if, if that's the best way to train uh, athletes that are trying to play football. But I think just by doing it that way, not that it's it, just being different, I think it's going to help you. You've seen the same thing over and over again. You're going to get a different view. But also, I think that, you know, kind of adds to the physicalness, the toughness that uh, our questioner asked. Um, someone in the comments reminded me we talked about it at the top of the show but pat hayden oh, yeah. is now in the news uh i think it was first the wall street journal then uh who else uh USA the you today, today and then the la times just come came out with something too but he's now in the news uh he's being linked to the college admissions bribery scandal uh ryan take it away well just real quick um yeah so the usc has been more involved than any school in uh in varsity blues because usc had donna heinel which you know one of the, the number three person in the athletic department well now you have the former number one person in the athletic department at least mentioned now he's his he said through his spokesperson which i think was his uh um uh, southern-in-law uh saying that you know he wasn't he didn't know of any wrongdoing uh he was saying that he met rick singer at the same time as donna heinel Don Heinel's people are saying uh, that, you know, Pat Hayden introduced her to Rick Singer. So there's, I mean, there's some sort of involvement there. He was in meetings with uh, this guy that was scamming all these people and, and uh, you know, taking all these bribes and everything. So I don't think this is a good thing uh, for, for Pat Hayden for sure. And it might not be a good thing for USC if you have even more of a senior, you know, uh, person involved from the athletic department. In this FBI investigation, he wasn't, you know, contacted by the FBI, according to the article. Uh, will he be in the future? I mean, that's 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 potential. And I think as we see more and more people uh, that are testifying or whatever, and, and you know, maybe it's someone like Adonna Heinel is trying to cut a deal for herself. When when it, this is how this all this stuff works, you always want the kingpin, you know. So who is the the most important person you can get if it's a uh, uh, you know, uh, extortion, if it's like mafia kind of things, like you get the lower level guys trying to get the higher level people. Don Heinel's pretty high up there, but if she can say, Hey, you know, Pat Hayden, she's, he's the one that got me in this. I'm not saying it is, but, but if there's something like that, that's something that's going to pique the interest of the, of the FBI. So, uh, I don't think this is a, I mean, I don't think it's a positive thing. Uh, you know, for USC, we'll see what happens. I think, I know there's some fans that were like, why is it Lynn Swan involved? I mean, this was really before, you know, he he was overseeing Donna Heinel, but I think all of this stuff was set up when Pat Hayden was the athletic director. And you could argue that maybe he should have known, if he didn't know any of this stuff, he should have known what was going on. But he was the one that kind of gave Donna Heinel the, the promotion and the power that she had. But being a, you know, an inexperienced athletic director, I think an experienced athletic director would come in and say, you can't just have one person as the gatekeeper for every walk-on uh, throughout the USC athletic department, all 21 teams or whatever it is. Um, so I think that was part of the problem too. So there's, is he really involved where he knew about the bribes and stuff going on? Hard to say. I have no idea, but you could, you certainly could argue that he should have known that someone like this shouldn't have that kind of power because it would open up for a corruption. And, and obviously that's what uh, the FBI found. So there's your update on that whole scandal, I'm sure that's not the last we will hear about it. Probably not. Um, boss man, we have a caller. 
His name is Jeremiah from Snake Lake. Do we want to take Jeremiah? Sure, let's take Jeremiah. Okay. Let's... We, we do want to end. Like, we would try to end it, so we'll... Sure. Jeremiah. This might be the last thing You're on do. the line. Jeremiah from Snake Lake. What are you even talking about possibly taking me? Oh, hell, good Lord. I am madder than a whore pulling a double on Christmas. Tony Bland, community service. Pat Hayden, under investigation. Parents bribing people to get their kids in school. Something about a med school thing that I never truly understood. You know the one person whose name you never hear? Mr. Coach Clay Helton. Mm. Boy, everybody but Coach Clay Helton is in hot water and a pig rolling around in defecation without representation. <laughs> Bruce McCoy, welcome back. Chris Steele, welcome back. That's what Mr. Coach Clay Helton says. Welcome back. No grudges. And you all know the old saying, you want something done right, you better have Coach Clay Helton do it. The only thing I know is give the man an extension. Jeremiah from Snake Lake out of here. Thanks, Jeremiah. Thanks, Jeremiah. Yeah, Clay Helton gets a lot of criticism, but being nice to Brew McCoy on his way out and saying, and a lot of USC fans hated that, like, block him, don't let him go. He let him go. He's like, you know what, you got to do what's best for you. He doesn't do that. Brew McCoy probably isn't back at USC. So his strategy there worked. And I would say Clayton's not in trouble from the FBI or anything else, but he's certainly on the hot seat. Like there's Definitely not like he's, no. he's not like sitting, he's not like a Teflon guy. Like he, he's not getting in trouble, but not winning games is what's going to get you in trouble. Yeah. It, it, Clay Helton has stay, stayed free of any of that type of stuff. And you see the same thing with the McCoy as you did with Jack Sears. You know, hey, you're committed to do. Congratulations. Well, is it all right if we still recruit you? Yeah, okay. And they still go at it. USC is doing it a little bit different, but they're getting some results the same way yeah. that way. But the, the, the biggest thing is in recruiting, their way can work as long as you're winning. Yeah, when you go five and seven, it makes it a lot harder. It's hard. hard. Yeah. So you know that's going to be the biggest thing. The win rec win loss record would determine whether or not his seat cools down, heats up, and you know it's an ejecto seat. You know it just depends uh, on how they do on the field. And I, USC will recruit itself. Their way will work if they're winning. Yeah, he, he mentioned the Tony Bland stuff too. So that came out today that he uh, only got two years probation, so no jail oh, time. Good for him. Uh, yeah. So he ended up taking like. A few thousand dollars or whatever that he used for like a bachelor or some, I don't know. So it didn't seem like that. I really have not dug deep into this one, but I think that's probably not a bad thing. USC put out a statement though when they were giving the sentencing. Like they were trying to like, it almost seemed like USC was trying to throw the book at him where they were saying how badly he embarrassed the university and all these things. Like, and then someone, I think it was Pat Forty or someone tweeted like, there's like 50 people on the list that have embarrassed USC's athletic department more than... No, he says he, he didn't make the starting five. Yeah, on. he wouldn't have made the starting five. Yeah, which is 100% true. It's just like, why would you... I don't know why USC would come out with that. They've done so many things to embarrass themselves. Um, but yeah, they were sort of... I guess they were kind of looking at him as a, sta a scapegoat. And, you know, he only gets probation. So he's not... He can't be that big of a scapegoat. A lot, a lot of questions about uh, who is Jeremiah from Snake Lake. They want to know, is that Billy Mays? Is that Tyson Helton? Uh, if he's wearing a Make America Great hat. Uh, you know, I'm sure he's wearing a Make America Great again. Some hat. people say he's the best caller ever. Um, so someone actually asked, can he coach all the line? You know, he uh -huh. does sound similar to Neil Calloway. <laughs> he sounds like extent. he's got some girth to him. You know, like <laughs> I, I think there's some girth there. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Shottington. 
Uh, is, do we have any questions for rapid fire? I've oh, tried we, to go line by line. There is a lot of rapid fire oh. questions oh. we can go here, but we can go pretty quickly. Let's do a couple. Of if them. Helton had not hired an air raid disciple, Harold, would Brew or Chris still had returned to SC? I don't think Brew McCoy returns without a good offense coordinator. Yeah, I think 100%. Uh, do, is that Dr. Love? And I don't know if that's from any professor or not, but uh, is that optimism I said, Mel? No, there's, I mean, as I said, this is a 52 week high for the program right now. If you're talking stock, ter- like the things are looking a lot better, but we were optimistic after the spring. And now that you add to the roster, like, you know, having a Valus Jones, having a Brew McCoy, having Chris Steele, like all those things are positives. Things are trending up and they go in the right direction, but you're going to know for real in the first month of the season, if, if this is, if the optimism is warranted or not. Are, are kids who transfer eligible to play right away? No, you have to sit out a year, but you can apply for a hardship waiver, which is why Chris Steele would probably be eligible. Yeah. Um, I sure we, don't see more than six wins. Do any of you disagree? We kind of went into that. Yeah, we did. So, yeah, I asked that, Shawshan. Yeah. You didn't ask that. I did question. ask that. Whatever. Alpha Trojan says, is there any walk-ons that you see helping? There are walk-ons. Yeah. It's, Ooh. If I, mean, they, I know if, it's June, but... We don't need walk-on questions. If they, <laughs> if on, they work their way into earning a scholarship, then you, you start. There, yeah. There's possibility of some guys working on special teams. Um, in which week do we start the Urban Meyer chance? Uh, Urban it's, Meyer. It's I skipped that question for a reason. Oh. Winning season. Just saying. Or, it started online already. But, but I'm just saying we don't talk about – there's not a vacancy, so we don't talk about that's, it. It's a chant. That's not – Okay, fine. Uh, the, the interesting part of that, though, was the follow-up was winning season or not, it's time for a change. That wasn't a question. It was a statement, but I thought that was interesting. There are definitely some people that feel that way no matter what. So. And then similar to this, what will it take for Swan to pull a trigger on Helton, or does Helton have something on Swan that's embarrassing? I don't I, even I, know if Swan's going to be athletic to, yeah. director. Like, I mean, there's so much up in the air. until It's just so hard to say any of this stuff. Swan's current track record as AD is embarrassing. Yes. Does that count? I don't think Helton's holding that over him, but – He's part of it. Mm. Uh, and HR Pig and stuff, wanted, when we were talking about Isaac Whitney and stuff, he said, I have 4-4 four, four speed to the line at the Pachanga Casino when it's all-you-can-eat lobster buffet. Congratulations. Shotgun. This is supposed to be rapid fire. That is ra- that's important, That's important not, a, thing not a question. <laughs> uh, how many wins are we now predicting? We've went over that. Why did Eric Ziskin, the recruiter, leave? Brian, you can answer that one. Um, I mean, I think it was burnout. I mean, really, just talking to him, uh, I think burnout was a big part of it. It's a not. It's a very demanding job and i think he just it wasn't like he left to go to another school to do the same thing it was just going out and, and doing something else it's it's hard i mean they are very overworked as far as mm-hmm. that group goes there's just it's a small they're trying to do the work of you know 10 12 people and there's like three or four of them and he left he left football basically so yeah yeah uh so it wasn't like he left for another school why don't we recruit quarterbacks can throw but also bust off a 60-yard touchdown run why such an narrow focus on what we recruit uh, have you seen the 2020 commit Bryce Young, the number one dual threat quarterback in the country. I don't know. So, I it just depends on the player. Keely put up an interview with him on USFootball.com. If you're on YouTube, it's probably in your recommended. Go, go watch it. Go check it out. LDR, how many rushing yards will SC defense give up per game? He also asked how many they had given up in the UCLA game, which was a lot. Almost a lot. 300 in the UCLA a game? A lot. Yeah. Not uh, that many this year. Yeah. I'm going to go with 112. I don't know why. But I'm just going go with it. Can, sure. we put, can we put the fake SC fans that are negative into the transfer portal? No, because they're still fans too. Right. True. There are fans that just like you shouldn't think that way. It's just like politics, anything. Like you, you can't believe that there's another group of people that can think differently than you. Like, that's just the reality of it. You know. Some people are positive. Some people are negative. Yeah. Who starts the Sam linebacker position? 
for the Sam. Well, is that even going to be like a Pally and Ito? He's going to be oh, man, he's Will. Playing Will sorry. He's playing yeah. Will. The Sam is the one where we don't know exactly. Right. What we don't even know if it's going to exist, really. Right. <laughs> so like a Hunter Eccles or something, or uh, yeah, that one's kind of a, a question mark because it might be it might be Christian Rector or it might be Connor Murphy like, just playing like on the in the end. So it's that's I think it's just hard to say. Ask right us now. week two of fall camp. How about that? Yeah. Ask a question. Uh, what do you think about the linebackers? Don't we need to get bigger at middle linebacker? Don't think we need to get bigger. Sorry, at middle linebacker. Don't think. Uh, I mean, you would you wish John Houston could put on a little bit more weight and still can uh, have his lateral quickness, um, but that's just his body type. It doesn't put on a ton of weight. Uh, but I, I think you're fine there. Uh, Jordan Iacefa, you would like him to be a little bit bigger as middle linebacker, but they're getting guys that are moving I think he's a pretty side. good size. But like Sol- like I think I mean, they Pallian probably want Naitiote is ideal size. Yeah, but Solomon Tuiel Pupu, you know, yeah. he was playing middle, right? Like they've. He was playing middle, yeah. I believe, yeah. Uh, opinion of Drake London. Can he be a difference maker on defense this year? So I'm assuming they mean Drake Jackson. Probably Jake Jackson. And yes, I think he can be. I mean, anytime you can like disrupt the plays like that, uh, I mean, you saw what he did in, in the spring showcase. Yeah, I think he can be a disruptor on the line of scrimmage, getting to the quarterback, just you know, forcing negative plays. And if you can do that, you can be make a difference. When's the last time USC lost to Oregon? Never. That's not true. I was there when they put up like 700 points in the Coliseum mm. with Chip Kelly. I mean, it was like when it was the most intense game I've been at during a regular season uh, because USC was a touchdown behind and they just could never catch up. Yeah. They scored, they would Barner, score and then Kenyon Barner scored like 17 touchdowns. That yeah. day, I think. I, I think it was 17. That would have been a record, but I, think, I don't. Think. I think it was like six though. Actually, yeah. um, who do you guys think is the best blocking tight end? Croman Hook, maybe? Or, so I think the answer is it doesn't matter in this offense yeah. as much. Yeah. I would go with Daniel Amore, baby. Oh, I guess he's still there. Yeah. Um, Shotgun, and Ryan, Shotgun and Ryan, what wide receiver has the most potential? Drake London? I'm still going to go with... I go Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah. Most potential. And Michael Pittman behind him. Yeah. Pittman might be... I mean, I, th- I think we've seen what he can do, but... St. Brown, I think I think you might see it's significant. That, he's another one that could like as good as he was last year when he catched sixty balls or something. Um, I think he could be significantly better this year. Two more left. Do you think USC will be favored in all the games except for Notre Dame? No, they're not going to be favored on the road against at Washington, um, and it depends on you know how things are going. Yeah, if they start if they lose to like Fresno State or something, they're going to be underdog in a bunch of games. And name the starting eleven on offense right now. Okay. JT Daniels, Marquise. I mean, you, I mean, not Marquise Step. Vi or Stephen Carr. Which one you go? With? I might go Carr. Go with Carr. Your I'm offensive. Li- your offensive line is Austin, Austin Jackson. Jackson. Um, blanking on who was at left guard this year. I mean, this spring. Oh, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. Elijah Vera Tucker. Yeah. Uh, Brett Nealon, mm-hmm. Andrew Voorhees, and then Drew Richmond. You gonna have him Ooh. over Jalen McKenzie? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, dude, you didn't bring him in to not start. Okay, but maybe he has to evolve a little bit, improve a little bit. <laughs> nope. You never know. Uh, wide receivers, you got obviously you got Amon Ra, you got, uh, you Pittman. got Michael Pittman, Pittman and Tyler Vaughn's, and then probably gonna go four wide. So I'm gonna go with uh, Valus Jones there yeah. instead of a tight end because tight ends are weak. If so. you had to do a tight end, would you go Josh Follow? Daniel Moore, baby. Okay. I just want it to happen. Okay, Technically. I want him to be back on the field. Sure. Too nice of a kid. He is too a great productive. Kid. Too much of a mismatch. We just haven't seen him for two years, so it's just you know. True. I know. Tear. Um, and that's it, right? We're done with the offense. I think that's it. Yeah. Bam, nailed it. Did you say quarterback? Ben Griffiths. JT. Okay. He's going to be an important part of the offense. Ben, ben Griffiths is a tight True. end. <laughs> he could play. I want to see oh, him play like a position, you know, like. Well, if he did, he quit 
rugby for, I mean, uh, Australian rules football for a reason. Holder. Concussions, right? Yes. As well. Yeah, he's, he's a holder, yeah. But. Um, Jim Lacey says, will Brew McCoy be able to work out and practice with the team? Uh, yeah, he would be able to. He yeah. just can't. He's like, he could be on the scout team and stuff. He just can't. He's not going to be eligible. We um, don't think. Well, yeah, most likely. First of all, he hasn't signed, you know, all that stuff. But if he signs and files a waiver, I don't think the waiver would be granted because it would be his like third school in one semester. So I think it's two transfers. He's not going to come back. I mean, he's not going to be able to play. Jared Cruz says, who's going to win the NBA finals this year, Raptors or Warriors? Warriors. I, other... kinda, well, I don't know what's going on right now, but I know like uh, Raptors are winning right now. Yeah, because like no. But is it the third quarter yet? That's the question. No, Clay Hel- I mean, Clay Hel- Clay Clay Thompson isn't playing. Uh, Fifty-five forty-two right now in the second. Kevin quarter. Durant's not playing. Uh, can, can we? T- do you guys want to talk about basketball or talk about USC football? Okay, Come we- on, Ryan. Uh, the NBA finals wow. are, are important. I answered the question. About. Okay. Someone asked, "When is fall camp? Uh, Pac-12 Media Day is July twenty-fourth, and usually." Uh, Fall camp is like a week after that. I think it's like August 2nd is what they tentatively scheduled it to start. Any other USC portal player that could come back or is not committed to any place? I mean, there's some players that are not committed yet. Kelly Ross isn't committed. Joshua Mitchell Baby is not committed. Don't think he's coming he's back. He's not coming back. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's any. Sorry if I missed it earlier. How does Bruin steal back readjust our recruiting ranking? It doesn't. Those rankings are done. Yeah, they're Ryan transfers. Said if you actually were to do it, they would have been 14th. 14th, which is significantly better, yeah. Shotgun, will, will DJU be a great quarterback? Yes, he's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be potential first-round pick. Yeah, Cle- not Clemson doesn't one. have any good quarterback play, so that, that's going to help it's them a lot. tough for them. No. Uh, Just kidding, kidding. <laughs> Who leads the team in sacks? Christian Rector. Yeah, that was my guess, too. But Drake Jackson? Maybe, I'm gonna maybe. I'm going to put him at five, over under five. What do you got? For Drake Jackson? Yeah. I might go over with that. Mm, interesting. Uh, and lastly, Jared Cruz, will USC baseball ever return to the glory days? If they get the right coach, it could happen. Yeah. Look, I kept it simple. You that was very it. simple. Very good. <laughs> LDR says, which guest would you guys like to see on Tunnel Vision? Which guest? Yeah, if we could pick anyone oh, on Tunnel Vision. Um, I know. We've had some really good ones. I think uh, I'd like to get Graham Harrell to sit down or Aaron Osmus. And we can do that. We'll, we'll, we'll work on something like that to see if uh, – they're both. I think they're both in the South Bay, so it's not like uh, it would be impossible. If it was completely open and we could ask any question, Lance Juan. Lance Juan would be that good. That would be interesting. I don't know if we get any answers, but oh, whatever. Yeah. Probably take no live callers on that show. <laughs> no. Yeah, that'd be a no-no. All righty. Anything else, guys, before we wrap it up? Let's See, Ryan, we kept it under an hour and a half. Yeah, a little longer than we thought, but that's fine. It's good. <laughs> All righty. Shotgun, you look like you're about to say something. Who leads the team in picks? Talanoa Funga. Isaiah Polamalu is what I was going to go with. All right. Mm, Okay. I see that. All righty. Yes? Good? Good. 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 All righty. Thanks, everybody, for watching. So sorry for people on Facebook. We couldn't get that going. Uh, Not sure what happened there. But thank you so much for watching. We'll be back next week, Wednesday at 6 p.m. You know where to find us. That's Ryan. That's Shotgun. I'm Keely, and we'll see y'all next week. See ya.